0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening,
1: and thanks for joining us. Those stories in just a moment, but we begin with breaking news of what appears to be a family tragedy in Nanaimo.
2: Three bodies have been pulled from the scene of a house fire. Catherine Urquhart joins us live from the newsroom with more on this story. Catherine. Sophie, here's what we know so far. This afternoon, members of the Nanaimo Fire Department responded to reports of a house fire on Nickel Street. Soon after, three bodies were then pulled from the home. Police aren't revealing the identities of the victims. However, neighbours have told Global News that a family lives in the home, a couple in their 30s with a young child. Catherine, when might we know more about the victims and the cause of this fire? Well, Sophie, while the fire has been extinguished, crews continue to put out hot spots. Fire investigators and police are not expected to enter the home until sometime tomorrow. So for now, at least, many questions remain about what exactly happened inside this home in Nanaimo leading to the deaths of three people. Sophie, Chris, back to you. All right, thanks for that. Katherine Urquhart reporting tonight. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team has been called in after the discovery of a body in Richmond. It was found shortly after 4.30 this morning in the area of Garden City and Granville Avenue. RCMP say at this point the male's death is considered suspicious and appears to be targeted.
1: A Surrey mother is raising serious questions tonight about the protocol for discharging hospital patients. Her adult daughter died just hours after being sent home from Vancouver General Hospital over the weekend. John Waugh explains what happened and why the family feels the health care system is broken.
0: <laughs>
3: Judy Joe Peter may have been nonverbal, but she spent her life speaking up for others. From suffering brain damage at birth to becoming a medalist at the BC Special Olympics, the 35-year-old's courage louder than any words.
4: She was the light of my life. Without a word, she touched so many hearts.
3: But her mother says when she brought Judy to Vancouver General Hospital emergency Saturday for severe vomiting, both of their concerns fell on deaf ears.
4: I was helpless. Judy had no voice. I couldn't voice for her. Nobody heard me.
3: Judy's mother, a retired nurse with 40 years experience, told the doctors her daughter had gallstones and was told by a specialist that symptoms like high blood pressure and vomiting could be signs of complications. Still after blood work and an x-ray, they were sent home.
4: She'll be okay. There's, you up some gravel suppositories and take her home.
3: Judy Jo Peter died the next day, her heart giving out in her room as paramedics tried to save her.
4: They gave the CPR, they did everything. She didn't come back. She didn't come back.
3: <laughs> Vancouver Coastal Health unavailable to go on camera, but calling the account concerning and we will be conducting a review. A grieving mother now asking when in better safe than sorry become better at home than in a hospital bed.
4: You're responsible not to save the money. It's people. That's why you are there for.
3: The Ministry of Health releasing this statement, we must do better in providing appropriate and adequate emergency care to all British Columbians. We will be following up on the results of the review as part of ensuring that patients receive the highest quality of care. You took
4: it away for her right to live. Please, change the system. Change the system.
3: A heartbreaking plea, Judy Jo Peters' mother says she'd ask for herself if she could. John Hua, Global News.
2: The young victim of an attack inside a dormitory at the University of British Columbia is painting a frightening picture in court today as the trial for the young man accused of trying to kill her got underway. Our Nadia Stewart was in the courtroom to hear all of this. Nadia, the details as told by the victim are terrifying.
4: Yeah, it is uh, pretty frightening really but Mary Hare was the first to take the stand today as the Crown uh, presented its evidence and really she was quite composed as she recounted the events of October the 4th, 2016. Uh, she describes the scene 11 o'clock to 11.30 that morning. She was just waking up. She heard a knock on her door. Uh, she didn't have her contacts in. She heard a second knock, uh, so she made her way towards the door just to see Who it was. She said as she opened the door, the door was then pushed open, and she said she was almost immediately uh, attacked, slashed across the throat with a knife. We would later hear from Crown that that slash across the throat was five inches across. Uh, so a very serious uh, wound. You can still see the scars. Uh, she describes fighting off her attacker. It's alleged that attacker was Tamir al-Mastadi. We'll talk a bit about uh, how he pled today in court. But we heard a lot from other witnesses, other students who came in to help her. We also heard from police. But we also heard from her again. She came back outside to talk to us. She says that she wants people to know that she is a survivor, although she describes the trauma that she still has to live with.
5: I mean, I'm still afraid to open a door. I'm still afraid of going outside and I'm still afraid of meeting people just because I have that like residual fear of like opening the door and seeing someone standing there waiting to kill me.
4: And that's not, it's not easy to get over al Mustadi, the former international student from Saudi Arabia at UBC, he is facing three charges, attempted murder, aggravated assault, and possession of a weapon. He has pleaded not guilty to all three charges. We did hear from Crown in the opening statement today alluding to uh, concerns in the days and weeks leading up to the attack about the mental state of this young man. Expect to hear more about that uh, in the days to come, Sophie. Tomorrow uh, this this case, I should mention, is going to continue uh, for about the next two to three weeks, and tomorrow a three-hour video of the testimony that al Mustadi gave to police that is going to be played in court. Back to you. All right, thanks for that. Nadia Stewart in downtown Vancouver today.
1: The vice president of Thompson Rivers University in Kamloops, we have learned, died after an accidental drug overdose. 39-year-old Christopher Sagan, seen here in a 2012 interview at Thompson Rivers University, died September 22nd in Victoria. In a statement, Christopher's family says he passed away due to an accidental overdose that occurred in his hotel room. Sagan, who was well-known as a pillar in the community, leaves behind a wife and two young children. A celebration of his life is planned for Saturday in Kamloops. A devastating fire in a Port Coquitlam neighborhood forcing more than a dozen people out of their homes tonight. Jeff Hastings joins us with the details. And Jeff, investigators say it is going to be difficult to determine exactly how this one started
6: extremely difficult Chris in fact the investigators haven't had a chance to get in there and actually start looking yet the hot spots, even just a couple of minutes ago they were still putting out hotspots one two three houses completely gone the excavator just stopped pulling down the third house there and I want to show you something just how intense this fire was if you look across the street way across the street the houses there the vinyl siding is is uh, melted a three alarm suburban inferno Three homes gone in a matter of minutes.
3: The flames were
7: just, like, everywhere. Oh, God, oh, God, fire, fire. And the sound,
5: the sound that it was making. I've never experienced anything like that in my life.
6: Up and down Fraser Avenue in Port Coquitlam, the same terrifying wake-up call.
3: I just uh, saw someone banging the door, and he just said, wake up, wake up, there's a fire. So as soon as I wake up, I just ran out with my baby.
6: So I woke up in the morning pretty early making breakfast, the power shuts off and I just come outside and I see a, just a big fire, three houses pretty much gone. I heard a big bang and like a scream.
8: When I first arrived in here there was a number of really loud explosions. We don't know what that was but that's very dangerous as well when you don't know what's exploding.
6: Early in the morning, most were still asleep, but not for long as people kicked in doors and got their neighbours, especially the small ones, to safety.
9: I was like yelling, banging on the door, telling everyone to get out. It was scary.
6: The house in the middle was under construction. The plumbing just put in, according to neighbours who think that's where the fire started. But investigators aren't sure.
8: you have a fire of this magnitude, it's very difficult to determine how it started. Houses under construction are particularly dangerous just because they're open and fire moves even very
6: quickly. Two other houses are significantly damaged, but the people there will be able to go home eventually. Not everyone can.
4: I heard a noise. I came out of the bedroom and we were on fire. And we just ran out of the house and and that's it. I have nothing. I don't have an ID, not a loony, not nothing. Everything's gone.
6: All right, so Chris, uh, virtually every house that I can see surrounding here has some form of slight damage, most of it radiant heat damage, vinyl siding melted all around us. Twelve people, I'm told, registered with emergency social services. They've been taken care of. That uh, emergency response centre has now been uh, taken down. It's no longer necessary. People on either side who are hoping they can go home soon have been told they should be allowed to go home today. Back to you.
1: All right, that's good news for them. Thanks, Jeff.
2: We are looking at a live shot of the Portman Bridge from our Global One helicopter. The afternoon rush winding down, thankfully, a fairly smooth commute tonight. That's in stark contrast to the morning commute, when multiple crashes caused major traffic headaches for drivers, especially those heading out of Surrey. With the tolls being removed, some say more traffic equals more problems, and the timeline for a solution needs to be stepped up. Ted Trinecki reports.
0: Talk about lighting up the phones on local talk shows today following this morning's commute westbound leading up to the Portman Bridge.
4: For traffic design, for
3: traffic management, for drivers. People figure, oh, I can drive like a maniac and crash into people. My insurance will cover it.
0: Two separate crashes involving 19 vehicles snarled traffic for hours this morning. The second crash may have been caused by motorists slowing to look at the first one, the looky-loos. This is just the latest and so far most spectacular multi-car pileup since the tolls came off September 1st. And since that day, there have been other consequences. did not have it tolled now. Uh, means that we have even more traffic coming through our community in a a direction that was never planned for. Twelve days ago, this multi-vehicle crash near the Port Man, one of the cars ending up on top of the concrete barrier. Just three days later, four vehicles involved in a pile of five people taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. And now today's mess. BC's former transportation minister wasn't ruling out a return to tolls if under his leadership the Liberals returned to power. I think one of the, the, the hallmarks of my leadership will be changing the
6: tone of that relationship with mayors and uh, and, and sitting down with them to talk about what a regional
0: transportation uh, uh, system should look like. But when he was transportation minister, all but one mayor opposed his proposed Massey Bridge, yet construction started under his watch. Now urban planners can see a real need to come up with something to reduce congestion and thereby commuter frustration.
10: You can't build your way out of congestion. We've seen that. I think a fair tolling on all the major bridges would be a good first step, but that can't
0: happen until you also invest in transit. Since the tolls came off the Portman, on average there are about 30,000 more vehicles using that bridge every day. Tenchnet Global News.
2: And a nasty two-vehicle crash on King George Boulevard at 133 Street affected southbound traffic for about an hour this morning. Witnesses say the pickup truck rolled over, speed is believed to have been a factor in this one.
1: A legendary retailer on the ropes at one time it ruled the retail landscape now sears is fading into history proposing a desperate last move to preserve what little value it has left the emotional reaction from employees and customers alike in just over a minute
2: more bombshell allegations against harvey weinstein and the hollywood leading ladies now stepping up with their stories of sexual harassment later on the news hour
1: also coming up tonight the heartwarming reaction from a little girl who learns she's about to get a forever family stay tuned for that
2: but first former transportation minister todd stone throwing his hat into the ring today for the bc liberal leadership we caught a sneak preview of that in ted trunetti's story about the portman bridge uh, keith baldry joins us with more on the leadership uh, candidacy announcement uh, keith tell us more about what happened today
10: yeah, Todd Stone, again, no surprise here. He's been signaling he was going to enter this race for some time. Interestingly enough, though, uh, he launched his campaign in Surrey, which is basically ground zero of where, where and why the B.C. Liberals lost the election in May, uh, where uh, they lost touch with voters in places like that. So Todd Stone, again, launching his campaign in Surrey and reflecting on the fact that, yes, they've got some lessons to learn in the Liberal Party, including on certain issues that are key to the voters in places like Surrey. Here's Todd Stone.
6: While there are some tough lessons uh, from the past, uh, and I intend on, on ref- uh, re- reflecting those lessons in, in decisions moving forward, um, I'm here today to, to, to say uh, transit's important. Uh, it, ensuring we, we meet the, the needs uh, on, on affordable housing is really important. Ensuring that we meet the needs of our future generations uh, is really important.
2: All right, Keith, we have several months to go before the leadership vote actually happens. Any sense at this point who's leading the contest?
10: Well, I don't know. If it, I think it is truly probably to pick a, a front-runner. I don't think there is a front-runner. But talking to sort of insiders on various camps and those who are unaligned with any candidate in the B.C. Liberal Party, uh, most point to Todd Stone and Andrew Wilkinson probably being the most organized. Then the next tier would be Mike Bernier, uh, Mike DeYoung and Michael Lee, who I think is going to do surprisingly well. And then I've been hearing rumblings that Diane Watts, the former Surrey Mayor, is not certainly performing the way a lot of people had hoped she was going to perform. Clearly, as an outsider, she she has some, questions, some tough questions to answer that uh, will not be posed to her rivals like Stone, uh, Wilkinson and the others. But as you say, several months before the vote.
1: All right. Thanks for that, Keith. Another seismic shakeup in Canada's retail sector as Sears takes one big step closer to the history books. The retailer is giving up on trying to stay afloat and instead asking for court approval to liquidate its roughly 130 remaining stores. As Tanya Beja reports, the reasons are familiar.
7: It's a retail giant with deep roots, but after more than six decades in Canada, Sears is getting ready to say goodbye.
5: I'm really shocked. Uh, My family isn't going to Sears for years. (laughs) It's
11: hard to imagine a Canadian who hasn't gone to a Sears at some point. So I I just think it's kind of sad, to be honest.
7: Facing years of declining sales, the company is seeking court approval to liquidate its stores. 12,000 employees may soon be out of work.
8: There was hope that they would get a bid from their executive chairman to come in and salvage the company, but it just doesn't look like that's going to happen, so now Sears is being sold for parts.
9: Sears' wish book is finally here.
7: Sears made its way into Canadian homes and hearts
11: through its wish book. Yes, I mean, that was a big favourite when I was a kid. You fighting with your siblings to pick out presents, right? When
9: I was a kid, we used to order from them, actually. At Sears, find affordable prices.
7: Despite the catalog's popularity, Sears couldn't keep up with the offerings of big box stores and online competition.
8: Walmart, who is ahead in the technology game, their e-commerce is growing. They're able to get customers into their store because of their low costs and you know their wide range of what they can offer.
7: The departure of nearly 130 stores will leave a void for both malls and shoppers to fill. I found out everything I needed from stairs. I didn't shop hardly anywhere else. They had everything.
1: I'm quite
9: shocked that they're going to just shut it all down and who's going to fill the void.
7: If approved, the liquidation sales could begin as early as October 19th and last up to 14 weeks, putting pressure on other retailers in the run-up to the holiday season. Tanya Beja, Global News. UBC research shakes
2: up the construction industry.
0: We are replacing um, a lot of cement with this material.
2: The spray-on invention that could save lives when the big one hits.
1: Also tonight, incredible images of the wildfires in California, in wine country and other areas, and the race to escape.
2: Now to those safety concerns at Rogers Arena after a brawl between opposing fans at the Canucks season opener over the weekend. A witness to the attack says about 10 Canucks fans attacked a man who was wearing an Edmonton Oilers jersey, including kicking him in the head. The witness says he repeatedly asked security guards to help, but he claims they told him it was not their job to intervene. Now the Canucks say... Our licensed security guards and our contracted security partner are instructed and trained to intervene immediately when they see a fight or an altercation that might escalate into one. We take incidents like this very seriously and are reviewing it with all security personnel who were present on Saturday night.
1: UBC researchers have unveiled what's likely to be a seismic shift in how structures are built to withstand earthquakes. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, a Vancouver elementary school will get the first real-world application. After an earthquake, the
12: dangers of concrete construction are plain to see. Replacing buildings is next to impossible. Now UBC engineers have come up with a way to protect people that simply sprays on. So if you put fibre reinforcement, these fibres would actually bridge these cracks once the cracks are formed, and the concrete will then continue to take stresses without collapsing. Traditional masonry construction crumbles without much effort. A wall, with the new concrete sprayed on top, though, can withstand even the most powerful of shakes. At least in the lab. The applications around the world could mean reduced risk for millions of people including some in british columbia
13: now this material is uh, officially uh, recognized as part of the building code for seismic upgrades of bc schools now this concrete will
12: actually be used it's getting sprayed on the walls here at jameson elementary starting next week it's just a pilot project at this point still some study required before it gets rolled out district-wide.
14: I imagine um, that more work will continue and Minister Fleming is committed to making sure that our kids go to school in safe buildings. What's
0: remarkable is that this costs half of the cost of standard retrofit. It's actually more economical. So it really not only provides an innovation, but really a cost-effective strategy.
12: There are still 150 schools in B.C. considered high-risk, and there's no timeline on when they're scheduled to have seismic upgrading done. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
2: The YWCA has unveiled a new project it hopes will help some of the people hit hardest by Metro Vancouver's affordable housing crisis. The organization has opened a new facility in Coquitlam. It says will provide safe and affordable homes
11: for single mothers and their families. Having safe and affordable housing, a, a decent place to live, can be transformational, enabling women to further their education, to secure meaningful work, to provide the best start
4: for their children and to contribute actively in their communities. It's hard to find the words. I was trying not to be too emotional today because I'm also super excited. It's, it's everything, serenity, it's what I need, it's safety, it's security, it's space, and I can afford it.
1: Good to have a home. More bombshell allegations about Harvey Weinstein's terrible behavior.
4: He returned in nothing but a robe with the front open.
1: The worst kept secret in Hollywood and the leading ladies who now say they were victims too.
2: And did Donald Trump really just challenge his secretary of state to an IQ comparison? What the White House says next.
1: This was at night, people were asleep. So they were awoken and they went and ran for their lives.
2: Stunning images in California as terrifying fires overwhelm entire neighborhoods, north and south. Check out this view from Disneyland in one direction. A normal sunny day, but look the other way, and it's anything but. A giant cloud of smoke from the wildfires virtually blocking out the sun. And then there's the neighborhood of Coffee Park in Santa Rosa before the fires. And Coffee Park now showing the scale of the devastation. At least 15 people are dead.
1: Among them, a husband and wife who'd been together since elementary school and celebrated their 75th anniversary last year. NBC's Joe Fryer has the latest.
8: The massive footprint carved out by a series of fast-moving wildfires is only growing tonight. Let's go. As the death toll rises to at least 15.
1: Folks did not have a chance. They did not have the time to escape. Among the
8: victims, Charles and Sarah Rippey of Napa County. He was a 100, she was 98.
11: All the windows started to explode and smoke and heat and all that everywhere, and she just couldn't find them.
8: Oh my God! 17 large explosive wildfires are burning, scorching more than 115,000 acres, prompting the federal government to declare a major disaster. In Northern California, at least 2,000 homes and businesses are gone. The city of Santa Rosa lost a McDonald's, a Hilton, a mobile home park for seniors and entire neighborhoods like Coffee Park.
14: Over here was it's there
8: the we found Brian we Gilman. He lost dinner. nearly everything, yet in the rubble found and his mother's ruby ring.
14: Everything else is devastated, but the
1: things that she asked for amazingly are still here.
8: Vineyards and wineries were also damaged, including Paradise Ridge, which lost its winemaking building.
0: I guess. Uh you got to look for silver lining, and for us, the silver lining is that the vineyards survive.
8: With a thick blanket of smoke stifling the region, the demand for masks is growing throughout the state. In Southern California, more smoke can be seen from Disneyland. Nearby, Santa Ana winds push flames across more than nine square miles, burning at least two dozen structures.
7: My front porch is on fire, but seeing what happened over here and the destruction and the devastation just makes me so upset.
8: But tonight, in Santa Rosa, amid the blocks of burned
1: debris, a bright sign of hope. We're Americans. We'll survive. We'll rebuild and we'll move on. All of us.
2: A B.C. man who was shot during the massacre in Las Vegas has had a bit of a setback. Kevin Sears was at the Country Music Festival with his wife and friends when the bullets started flying. One of them passed through his abdomen as he used his body to shield his wife recent CT scan has revealed additional injuries, including a lacerated spleen and a small hole in his lung. He's been admitted to hospital for observation, but he's told Global News that he is doing okay.
1: The alleged infighting in the Trump White House took another bizarre turn today, with the president seeming to question his Secretary of State's IQ. When Forbes magazine asked Trump about an NBC report that Rex Tillerson had called him a moron, Trump said he thought it was fake news, but if it did happen, I guess we'll have to compare IQ tests and I can tell you who is going to win. The White House insists Trump was joking and Trump says he has full confidence in Tillerson.
2: More major new developments tonight in the sex assault scandal that's brought down one of the most powerful men in Hollywood. Two more A-list stars have come out with accusations against Harvey Weinstein And a damaging recording has emerged of another
11: encounter. Another seismic shock in Hollywood. Angelina Jolie and Gwyneth Paltrow saying they, too, were sexually harassed by Harvey Weinstein, adding to a growing list of women. I will tell you something in return. Paltrow, then 22, had just been hired for the movie Emma. She tells The New York Times Weinstein put his hands on her and suggested they go to the bedroom for massages. I was a kid. I was petrified. Paltrow says she left and told her then-boyfriend Brad Pitt, who confronted Weinstein. Jolie says after her incident, she chose never to work with him again and warned others when they did. These revelations following another explosive story today, this time in The New Yorker. Mira Sorvino and Rosanna Arquette among 13 women who say they were sexually harassed or assaulted by Weinstein, including three who say they were raped. Weinstein's spokesperson says any allegations of non-consensual sex are unequivocally denied by Mr. Weinstein, and there were never any acts of retaliation for refusing his advances. Ronan Farrow, who contributes to NBC News,
3: wrote the story. Uncanny similarities exist between each of these women's stories. They talk about a pretext of a professional meeting that is then moved to a hotel and a hotel room. Many of them refer to offers for a massage.
11: Today, former actress Luisette Geis telling what's now become a familiar story. He
4: returned in nothing but a robe with the front open and he was buck naked. In
11: 2015, after model Amber Badalina Gutierrez claimed Weinstein inappropriately touched her, New York police set up a sting, which was recorded. Why, did
5: Yesterday you, know? you touch my
0: priest? Oh, please, I'm sorry, just come on, I'm used to that.
11: Are you used please. to that? Yes, come in. You no, but I'm not used to that. The New York District Attorney declined to press charges.
3: Sixteen assistants and executives, former and current, talked about uh, a culture of silence in the company, uh, talked about how they witnessed inappropriate activity.
11: The Weinstein Company did not respond today. Weinstein's behavior is such an open secret, it was a joke at the 2013 Oscar nominations.
12: Congratulations, you five ladies no longer have to pretend to be attracted to Harvey Weinstein.
11: <laughs> Finally today, Hillary Clinton broke her silence about one of her major campaign donors, saying she is shocked and appalled by Weinstein's reported behavior, a movie titan now accused of abusing power and women. Ann Thompson, NBC News, New York.
1: In health matters tonight, good news for expectant mothers. A new study says epidurals do not prolong labor. Researchers at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston compared the effects of epidural anesthesia with a placebo for women entering the second stage of labor. Not surprisingly, the placebo group reported significantly more pain, but the length of labor was similar in both groups. The study also found that epidurals did not increase the risk of C-sections or fetal distress.
2: The annual Santa Claus parade is in danger of being canceled.
4: With Rogers moving on, um, it's left some big shoes to fill.
2: Why time is running out to find another major sponsor.
1: And it's not every day a student reacts like this when called to the office. Why this little girl's case is so exceptional. Coming up. The heartwarming story behind this jump for joy caught on video right after the forecast. And yes, you may want to have some <laughs> tissue handy. Well, I for that. Yeah. I
2: was just checking behind us. We do have our box of tissue. <laughs>
1: I might need it more than you guys. No, need. I
2: know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'll it is for it you. Through. I'll he's make it through. The, he's the softy, as we all know. <laughs> all right, Christy Gordon joining us now with a look at our forecast. Did manage to catch a few uh, shots of uh, blue sky today, Christy.
5: Yes, but look at the scene out there right now, Sophie. It's certainly taken a turn for the worse and I'll show you why. What we have making its way across the Strait of Georgia right now is a strong band of rain. It brought some thunderstorms just north of the Port Alberni area. But you can see it's quickly making its way across our region. And we will see that chance of showers through the evening hours. It's really incredible that the model, this is a computer model, uh, sort of depicting that rainfall. And it's really incredible to see how well it's picked up that rainfall. So that's going to shift across Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley this evening. Overnight, we're going to continue to see bands of showers move across our region. Tomorrow morning, it will be wet for your commute to work, especially across those east eastern sections, but then late morning, everything shifts towards the east. We start to see things dry out across western sections, and we may catch some beautiful breaks of sunshine, very similar to what we saw today, afternoon breaks of sunshine. But again, we're not in the clear completely. We do have a chance of showers again tomorrow evening. So again, a very similar pattern to what we saw today. Those of you across Vancouver Island, some beautiful breaks. Now, meanwhile, for the rest of the province, boy, it's chilly. Look, snowfall warnings in Edmonton, 15 centimetres, Of snow there, and it's snow is falling right now in Williams Lake. Two to four centimeters of snow expected overnight for you, and we even have the possibility of some wet snow in areas like Whistler. So, let me break it down for you, starting off with the north. So, majority of the moisture dropping to the south, so mainly clear across these regions tomorrow, but Prince George, two centimeters of snow for you overnight. Mostly uh, the possibility of snow east of Quinnell in the Columbia Mountains. Otherwise, showers overnight in Quinnell, Williams Lake, we talked about snow overnight. Into tomorrow morning for you, four centimeters possible. And eastern Columbia and Cooney region, snow at lower elevations or wet snow in the morning. But all of these areas, that snow level is going to drop to about 1,200 meters. So we are expecting snow on all of the mountain passes tonight and again tomorrow night, right into the morning hours. That snow level is not going to climb. Across the south coast, sunshine across most of Vancouver Island, showers continuing across the Fraser Valley and eastern Metro Vancouver, whereas western Metro Vancouver should enjoy sunny breaks through the afternoon hours tomorrow. On Thursday, we remain overcast with scattered showers, especially in the morning and cool, but Friday, mainly sunny skies. And when we look at our happy anniversary to Audrey and Ken York, celebrating 70 years together, and here's your weather window. Yes, typical for this time of year when we get this mix of sunshine and sunshine and rain beautiful shot from rachel thanks so much rachel
1: great shot great colors thanks Christy. that's an intense rainbow mm. all right intense feels coming up have you got your tissue handy i have mine it's right here. there's <laughs> enough
2: in there there's of enough of in this, there right
1: so getting called to the office when you're in school is usually not a good thing not that i would know but it's what i've heard <laughs> from other people from me i've told you <laughs>
2: But a Utah school surveillance camera captured the exception to that rule as sixth grader Tana Butterfield leaps into the arms of office manager Jackie Alexander after getting a life-changing piece of news. Tana had been a foster child right up until this
11: moment. I just grabbed her and I just said, honey i said oh baby have you heard the news and she said what and i said you get your family you get your forever family
3: she put her hands on my shoulders and i said what's happening and she said um well everything went okay at court you're getting adopted and i just did did that and i'm looking forward to having family time spending all of our lives together and just being together and i i know that's like having someone to actually love me
2: now, wow. if you're wondering why her new mother didn't tell her, well, she was too nervous about the court hearing, and she wanted Tana to be told right away at school. And one other thing to tell you about this story, Tana has two younger siblings, and the family is adopting them as
1: well. That's amazing. Okay, that is amazing. Need... so happy for her.
9: Mm-hmm.
1: So glad we <laughs> well, can no, talk about a rugby story, now. I'm okay. Won't need <laughs> those I'm tissues. Talking We're talking about <laughs> rugby now.
2: Okay, Yes, the HSBC Canada Rugby Sevens happening once again. We have an amazing prize package for you, uh, including two tickets to the Sevens in Vancouver in March. And it's kind of like, that event is kind of like compressing the two weeks of the Olympics into one incredible (laughs) party at BC Place Stadium. And two tickets to the Rugby Sevens in Hong Kong in April, as well as part of this prize package.
1: One glorious weekend in March folks the 11th and 12th it's circled in my calendar i don't know if it is in yours but it should be it's turning into the party of the year and yes some of the best rugby players in the world one of the most entertaining uh, competitions in the world so it's going to be absolutely fantastic the whole package is valued at 9000 bucks wow to enter you'll need a special contest clue that it's going to happen at some point in the program. We, we never know when, so you got to watch the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> then you yeah, go to the, yeah, the website. It's like that. Globalnews.ca. That yeah, then you yeah, right. enter the word.
13: Cool. Right. Oh, uh, that'll be very special in March. It's also special tonight at Rogers Arena. Ah, uh, yes. Why, you ask?
0: The return and, of uh, Alice
14: uh, The 12 great years in this city, and uh, uh, this team meant a lot to me. And. Maybe may be an Ottawa senator
13: now, but expect a rather big ovation tonight for one of the favourite Canucks in the last decade.
2: Also ahead, is the Grinch going to cancel Vancouver's Christmas Parade? Why this hol- holiday tradition is in danger of being cancelled coming up.
1: So, the Canucks back in action tonight. Yes,
13: yeah, trying to stay unbeaten. Although mm-hmm. last year they started 4-0 and then lost 9 in a row. But let's not dwell on that. That's right. That was last year. Hey, tonight, we are all Canucks will apply to a member of the Ottawa Senators. Because this is the first time Alex Burrows has returned to this city since being traded away after a dozen years as a Canuck. The player whom everyone respected for his sheer hard work and determination. Not just when he was with the Canucks. But before he got here, when he proved so many scouts wrong who thought he would never make it to the big show. And for Burroughs, the return is something special and it could be something emotional.
14: I spent uh, 11, 12 great years in this city and uh, uh, this team meant a lot to me. and um, So I'm sure we're going to see some moments that uh, uh, are going to be special to me. am excited about it. Uh, This team and this organization, uh, this city means a lot to me. Special place in my heart, and uh, it's always nice to be back. Caught up with a few guys last night, and uh Alex is a great team guy. And uh, I texted him last night, told him I was going to come for him today, so uh, he he, he responded with some stuff I probably can't say. (laughs) It's not just the experience; it's the type of man he is
12: and how he deals with people around him um and he's been he's been nothing short but terrific with us last year and this year Uh, i think he's a future coach this guy he thinks the game so well Uh, he understands the big picture he's an extremely bright guy that uh that i really enjoy having him around
6: the
14: slogan here has always been we're all canucks yeah is that ever out of your system? No, that's, that's always going to stay with me. I'm always going sp- to have a special place for me, and even the city. Uh, I still watch a lot of their preseason games. Uh, I watch uh, what happened in China there. I kept in touch with a lot of guys um, at dinner with some of them last night. So I'm always going to watch uh, and see how they're doing. And um, I even read some of your stories now, so it makes it even better. <laughs>
13: Well, for fans, of course, the return of Alex Burroughs will be a special reunion. But for Henrik and Daniel Sedin, getting on the same ice surface as Alex Burroughs once again will be even more special because they were more than longtime teammates. The Sedins watched Burroughs go from a guy, as we said, nobody thought would make it to their best linemate and one of their best friends.
14: I mean, you have to respect a guy like that. He came from from nowhere, worked really hard, did anything to stay on this team. Uh, he really earned the respect from his teammates and coaches, and uh, uh, he, he wasn't given anything. So, and from there on, I mean, we got a chance to play with him on our line, and he was. Uh, we got to see first time what, what kind of player he is. You see one of those
6: teammates where? He'll always be teammate, even though he'll be on the side of the bench, because he meant so much to this organization to you guys.
13: Yeah, there's a few of those guys around, and, and, and he, he's one of them, absolutely. And he, I mean, it's meant more to, to me and, and Daniel than maybe any other player. So it's uh, uh, he's gonna always always be special. Now the Canucks are going to go with the same lineup you see. You saw beat Edmonton on the weekend. That means that Brock Besser fans will not get to see their man playing against Ottawa tonight. Now Besser. Wants to play, every player wants to play, but he's not complaining that he's not playing. He knows that if the lineup that was used in the last game was a winning lineup, it stands the reason it will not change, at least for one more game.
1: He doesn't want to play just because he's Brock Besser and change a lineup because, so he plays. Uh, that's, this is a team game. Our team played very well last game. Brock Besser is going to play... He's going to get his chance to play. It's just not tonight. And he understands that, and and he's still confident in his abilities. I'm confident in him. I think he's going to be a good young player. I'm going to say it again. And Brock Besser's going to be fine.
13: Is going to be there was no Game 4 between the Nationals and Cubs and in Chicago. Because of bad weather, they'll try and play it tomorrow. Play Cubs tonight. leading the best of five, hopefully two games to one. Game 4 scheduled to go tomorrow. just so after 1 o'clock, our time. So Chicago will start Jake Arrieta, and Washington will and go with Tanner Rourke. Exactly. Iceland has become the smallest nation ever to qualify for the World Cup of Men's Soccer. They finished first in their qualifying group after beating Kosovo 2-0 at home. Remember, they were so good at the last European Championships and this qualification proves that the Euros were no fluke for Iceland. The population of that country is around 335,000. That's all. They're the first country with under a million people to qualify and when they did they showed us once again that unique celebration they do with their fans. That kind of Viking war clap. I like
1: that team, be a be a little intimidating coming at you on the <laughs> battlefield. I would think
13: exactly. exactly. They will be coming at you in 2018 yeah. in Russia. There you go. All Thank
2: right, you. thanks, Squire.
1: All right, here's Jay Durant now with a preview of global news at 11, Jay.
13: Thank you, Chris. Still a lot of unanswered questions after uh, three bodies were discovered inside a Nanaimo home this afternoon. We have a crew at the scene. We'll have the very latest for you. And lights on for mental health. Some Vancouver landmarks will be glowing purple tonight in honor of World Mental Health Day. We will talk to Carol Todd, who is joining the commemoration on the same day she lost her daughter, Amanda, five years ago. We'll have more on those stories and the rest of the day's
1: news tonight at 11. All right, Jay, thank you.
2: Why doesn't anyone ever ask Santa what he wants for
1: Christmas? That's a very good question.
2: We're going to. We're going to find out what Santa's Christmas wish is after this break.
1: Today's ultimate rugby fan
8: contest code word is rock. Go online and enter the code word for your chance to win. Tune in to Global News Hour at 6 tomorrow for another chance to win.
1: Awesome. All right. Uh, we can guarantee Santa will still come on Christmas. hmm but time is quickly running out for one of Vancouver's other favorite Christmas traditions.
2: As Grace Key reports tonight, the annual Santa Claus Parade needs a new helper
9: with deep pockets. The Vancouver Santa Claus Parade has been an annual tradition for the last 13 years. Drawing more than 300,000 people to downtown Vancouver, it features 60 entries and floats and 2,700 participants. But this year, Santa may not be coming to town.
4: It's quite possible that the parade will be canceled this year, um, and, you know, unless we find some corporate support.
9: Known as the Rogers Santa Claus Parade, the company is no longer a major sponsor. The cost of staging the event. $400,000. Last year, the cost to the city was $62,000. That was for policing and other fees, but the city provided in-kind support, writing off a third of the total amount. Organizers need to come up with $150,000 in the next two weeks, or they'll be forced to cancel. It's now managed by a nonprofit society who's given the event a new name, the Vancouver Santa Claus Parade.
4: Vancouver now owns this parade and we're bringing it back to the community and we're looking for more community support to do this.
9: The parade also plays an important role for the Greater Vancouver Food Bank. Over the years it's helped bring in one hundred and fifty seven thousand dollars and some seventy seven thousand pounds
13: of food. People know and learn about the Greater Vancouver Food Bank at the parade. They see us there, you know, we show what we're doing. And I think not having the ability to uh, to be part of the parade is something that uh, that will cost us absolutely.
9: This year, the society has one thing on its Christmas wish list: new sponsors to help make sure a tradition lives on in Vancouver. Grace Key, Global News. Someone will step up. For I
1: hope Santa, so. Right? Let's Let's hope. You us Think.
2: Hmm.
13: You would hope. Uh huh.
2: Well, glad to see it go. We still have time.
13: Yeah.